Hi, and welcome back to the Pleasing God Podcast, a weekly show focused on helping Christians to think biblically, engage practically, and live faithfully for the glory of God. I'm your host, Jonathan Soul, And once again, I'm joined with my guest, Caitlin. Hi. Great to have you back. And I want to just keep up our discussion, kind of picking up where we left off last week. We started with looking at the fruit of the Spirit, what is the fruit of the Spirit, and we considered the first virtue, which is love, right? Mm-hmm. The kind of like the foundation by which all other of the virtues, the basis of the Christian life, thinking about the love of God, how that's made manifest, and then how we as believers are to emulate and reflect that love in our relationships first to God, you know, the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And as we kind of live out that virtue. Well, Let's talk about the second one. Yeah, next on the list. The next on the list. Uh, Do you want to read for us the Galatians passage? Sure. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Thank you. And so, yeah, let's talk about that second virtue. Paul says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. Oh, there's a question. What What is joy? Well, it is not happiness. I think sometimes that that gets confused uh, quite a bit. But I have a definition that I really like from John MacArthur that says, Christian joy is a good feeling in the soul produced by the Holy Spirit as he causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the word and in the world. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's great. And you you touch on the point that it's not just kind of happiness, Mm -hmm. but even as MacArthur says, it's an inward, uh, what was the word that he used? A good feeling a good, in the soul. A good feeling in the soul. So I think sometimes we're afraid of happiness, mm-hmm. right? That's tied to like humanism, man-centeredness. And so uh, we, we have this tendency to to kind of just want to go as far away from happiness because, we oh, that's, a, that's emotional, it's temporary, it's fleeting. But when we think about joy, we don't define it as happiness, but their happiness is totally involved sure. in that. Mm-hmm. You can't live a life consistently with joy and not have happiness. Mm-hmm. I mean, what's the opposite of happiness? Sadness? Yeah, sadness. So um, when I think about joy, I definitely think happiness is a part of it. It's not the end all. Joy is not just happiness, where we do think happiness is an emotion or an expression. Uh, but when you think biblically about joy, throughout the scriptures, you would see gladness, happiness, but I think what we were getting at here is it's a state of being, not necessarily an emotional response to a circumstance or an event, but it's deeper than that. It's produced by the Holy Spirit. So when thinking about joy, I think of it at just going off of what you said there, joy is evidence of faith, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I mean, when we hear the gospel, when we've been indwelled by the Holy Spirit, that expression coming out, joy is an outward expression of internal faith. I think that's very important to, to understand. So when we see joy, we should look at it and see it as an evidence of faith in the life of the believer. It's a fruit. It's when we look at a fruit tree, you know that it's a certain type of tree because of the fruit that it's producing. An apple tree produces apples, and it is the outward showing of what is on the inside. I would even argue that true joy, that abiding feeling, is only found as an expression of of saving faith, 
as we have received the gospel, as we have heard the God, as we've repented of our sins and put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and that knowing that all of my sins are forgiven, that the hope of heaven has been placed in my heart, that there is hope beyond the grave, that I can look beyond the circumstances, mm-hmm. and that produces this joy. It's a freedom. It's a freedom of life knowing that anything that comes our way, anything that we're experiencing in this life that is full of sin and full of death and full of grief causes us to look deeper and we can see the beauty that Christ shows us in the world. Absolutely. So what is joy? It's an expression of faith. It's a, it's a, it's gladness. It's happiness. It's this state of being. What does the expression of joy look like? So we're talking about this as a concept, but how can I put my finger on it and say, that person has joy? What does that look Ooh. like? I think it's difficult to explain, but then when you see it, you know it. You can pinpoint someone who has joy. They just embody Christ. Well, I would definitely say that joy is a positive expression. I don't when I when I think about the word joy, even the thought of it. There's no negative connotations with it. Joy is a positive expression. Mm. In Psalm 47, 1, we read, Clap your hands, all peoples. Shout to God with loud songs of joy. Verse 2, For the Lord the Most High is to be feared, a great king over all the earth. Another passage, Jeremiah 32, 41, And I will put the fear of me in their hearts, that they may not turn from me. I will rejoice in doing them good, and I will plant them in this land of faith in faithfulness with all my heart and all my soul. Now, in both those passages, one is our response to the Lord in Psalms. But in Jeremiah, it's the Lord's joy of what he does for his people, God's expression of joy, our expression of joy. In both of those verses, those passages, we see this positive expression of joy. But what I found interesting as I was reading up on this earlier in the week, what both of those passages also have in common is the fear of God. Mm. And I think sometimes positive expression of joy, some people think is irreverent, or how can you be fearing God when you're expressing joy? So if there's this shout to God with loud songs of joy, we equate quietness, Mm. solemnness with fear of God. And, and that being reverence. And what you actually see here is that the psalmist is saying, shout out, let your joy be a positive expression, and you can still be doing that and fearing God. And so it, there's not this sense of, you know, let's come to church and hang our heads down low and just solemnly sit there. We are to fear God, but we are to fear God and express our joy. And I think they're actually, in both cases, they're compatible. And I think oftentimes we can have a wrong view of God. And we have to understand we're new covenant people. Every Sunday we come together, the celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I have no reason to drag my knuckles and, you know, be gloomy and, you know, so this is a joyful expression and in the fear of God with reverence and awe, but we're also to express ourselves positively. I mean, he gave us this fruit. Of joy. The Holy Spirit brings it when we become believers. It's expected of us to have joy. So, yes, joy is a positive expression. It's also, as we've already alluded to, a natural part of the Christian experience. 
as a apple tree bears apples, so a Christian bears forth and brings forth joy. It's the biggest testimony, I think, that we as believers, we can we can share the gospel and we are called to share the gospel. But living a life of joy when we are going through deep trials, when we are grieving a loss, when we are going through circumstances that are seemingly unbearable, it is a testimony to the lost world when we can go through those pains and sorrows with joy. And that doesn't mean we are happy and gleeful and positive necessarily through those circumstances, but we can still have hope and we still have joy and we still can praise the Lord through those circumstances. And I think that's a huge, a huge light to a dark world. I absolutely would agree with you. And kind of taking these two thoughts together that joy being a positive expression and also being a natural part of the Christian experience. I would argue that living your life as a miserable Christian is contrary to God's will for your life, contrary to the fruit that is being produced in the life. Oftentimes, miserable Christians are those that are professed believers and 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 you know that are believers that are fighting against the work of the Spirit in their lives. Mm-hmm. And it's that tension. And so they don't express joy. Why? Because they're living in constant sin. And that's not joy producing. But truly, uh, li- living the life that God has called us to live is a life of joy. We're called rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Re- when you think about rejoice, it- it's the returning of joy. It's this expression of what-, what has been given to me, I return back. Yeah, and we're to do that always. And then he says, again, I say rejoice. He says it twice. So it's it's a huge part of our life, and it should be. Absolutely. So let's talk about maintaining joy. Maintaining this virtue in our lives, because we can say, you know, the, although joy is a state of being and it's, you know, to be abiding, sometimes it's not there, mm. right? Oh, yeah. If we're just being honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and again, every time one of these virtues or the fruit of the Spirit is not being manifest presently in my life, it's not that God has not given me what I need in full measure. The problem's always going to be internal, right? Yeah, I'm reminded of the passage in John 15 about Jesus being the vine and we are the branches. You think of a a tree has a trunk and then branches and the fruit come off of the branches. Jesus being the vine, the trunk of a tree where the roots are deep and it's the nourishment. We are the branches. The fruit that comes out is what is produced within us uh, by the Holy Spirit. And in in this passage, talking about abiding in him as the vine. And uh, it goes on, by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. And when we are abiding in God's love and we are keeping his commandments, his joy will be within us. And so when we are failing to abide in his love, we're failing to keep his commandments. We are self-focusing or we're or we're, we're focused on self and sin and not in him and abiding in him. Our joy will be lost. Make a great point that obedience and joy are inseparably linked together. Mm-hmm. And there is a joy that we have in obedience to the word of God, to the revealed will of God, 
that's why Jesus says, my burden is easy, my yoke is light. God's commands are not burdensome. They're for our good. I think sometimes those who are not believers, who are not Christians, look at Christianity as a list of rules and that it's dreary and it's burdensome. But when we are abiding in in God and we are fearing the Lord and we are living out his commandments, we live a life of freedom and joy that is beautiful. And it's exciting. And it really is, it really is free. It's freeing living a life of obeying God. Absolutely. I'm reminded of Nehemiah 8.10, a very famous passage that reads, and do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Well, growing up, I heard that often mm-hmm. and we, we've, we've sung that. And I really paused and was thinking, what does that mean that the joy of the Lord will be your strength? Like that's conceptual. I need something tangible. Mm-hmm. And so thinking through what does that look like on a Monday? You know, what does that look like as I'm just going through this life? Thinking about the joy of the Lord being your strength is that God, and this is ties right into John 15, that God is the subject of our joy. Also understanding that God is the source of our joy and that God is the sustainer of our joy. You like my alliteration? Yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> hey, I just, no matter what, I get, like the pastor stuff is in my blood, the preacher yeah. mode, I can't help it. Um <laughs> Yeah, I did that on purpose. Yeah, I know. Uh, But (laughs) so that when we think about joy, we're not looking for it outside of what God has revealed and what God desires from our lives. He's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him. And that's our joy. And so being the subject, the source, we, we always go back to him. Yeah, going back to the quote by John MacArthur earlier, Christian joy is a good feeling in the soul produced by the Holy Spirit as he causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the word and in the world. What that's saying practically is we should be in the word. We will see Christ. We will see the beauty of the gospel when we are surrounding ourselves with the word of God. But not only that, when we are out in the world and we see beauty, it should cause us to be reminded of Christ and of God, the creator. And that should produce joy as well. And so I think practically just being in God's word, being in prayer, surrounding yourselves with those who are filled with joy and display that so well. If you surround yourself with grumpy people, you will be grumpy. Surround yourself with people who are filled with joy. You won't be able to help but be joyful. I I should say expressing that joy more clearly. But we should be in God's word and we should allow his word to change our hearts and our minds in that way. Yeah, those are good thoughts. So as a result of maintaining joy as Christians, we need to understand that seeking to find joy in any way opposed to the Lord will rob us of joy in the long run. Mm -hmm. We might find a feeling and it might seem to satisfy, but we know it doesn't. Also thinking that joy enables us to face hardships and trials. And you certainly alluded to this, Kate, as well, which I think was very important. In James chapter 1, verse 2, we read, Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds. And if that wasn't enough, Paul writing to the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians 1, we read, For we know, brothers loved by God, that he has chosen you. Because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. 
and you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. And so when I think about those passages, in both of those situations, I'm reminded of circumstances versus joy, Mm -hmm. and that our joy should affect our circumstances. Our circumstances should not affect our joy. And that joy is abiding. Joy rises above whatever is kind of thrown in your way. And it's easy to say, talking to you right now on a podcast, Mm -hmm. but when we hit the waves of life, the trials of life, we need to be reminded. We keep going back to this idea of a tree. A tree withstands incredible forces of wind a lot of times and it's it's not because of the tree itself it's what's underneath it's what's under the ground the roots that are deep within the ground that can keep a tree withstanding and i think same as a believer going through a deep trial and struggle in their life if you are rooted and grounded in christ you can withstand because he's promised you that you can withstand the trials of this life yeah i think when we come to the point where Jesus is enough. It's not just that Jesus is enough for my life. Jesus is all I need. Jesus is everything. And knowing him is the pursuit of my life that brings me great joy. When we've gone through significant trials, I'm thinking back to several years ago when we lost when we lost a baby at just 14 weeks, it was almost as if our joy was more full in those times because we had hope. We had a hope beyond this world in our sorrow, that we knew that God was working all things for his good and his glory, and we could rest in that. And I remember saying multiple times, I can't imagine not having Christ as my sustainer Mm -hmm. in a trial such as that. Going through this life, not knowing when suffering or grief was going to come, and not having the reliability of God, of Christ, to sustain I'm so grateful that in those times of darkness that we have we have Christ. Yeah, and that touches on kind of the last question that I wanted to ask is why is this important? Why is joy important? And certainly sustainability in our lives uh, that we can look beyond the immediacy of pain and sorrow and suffering. Mm-hmm. Uh, we might ask the why question and we might not get the answer, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and we know that, that stings at, at times, but... We also know that joy displays the gospel. A life of joy can only be produced by the gospel, and it displays the truth of salvation. It also is a powerful apologetic. And what I mean by that is a, an argument or a defense for the Christian faith. First Peter chapter 3, picking up in verse 14, Peter writes, But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense or an apology to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. Mm. And thinking about that line, anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, let's unpack that just for a moment. That means someone is observing you, and they're observing you to the point where they've seen you in some sort of trying situation. So now you've faced a trial, you're being observed, and that person asks you a question. How do you do it? How mm. how are you responding like that? They're asking you kind of what's keeping you going, 
It's the hope that's in you. Well, the hope that's in you is expressed in the joy that comes out of you. And so by expressing your joy, it's not happy-go-lucky in Jesus all the time. Mm -hmm. No, but it is a sustained state of well-being. It's constant. And so they see the joy that comes out of you and they ask you a question. Now you have earned the right to be heard. You have given evidence and credence to the gospel you are about to share. And you're telling people about the hope that is found in Jesus Christ that produces joy. So this is why living a life of joy is so important. The fruit of the Spirit is not merely just to make us feel good, but it's to point people to Jesus through our lives. Because the fruit of the Spirit is supernaturally produced, and it is unnatural to the world. Finally, joy on earth is to be a reflection of heaven. We think from heaven by an angel came this message of good tidings of great joy for all people. The announcing of the Messiah has come. In Luke 15, we read that all of heaven is filled with joy when one sinner comes to Christ. I think about that passage and it just kind of gives me goosebumps Mm -hmm. where like the whole throng of heaven is, is observing God's work and redemption as it is taking place in time and space. And as Another soul comes to Jesus, like the hallelujah chorus just explodes in heaven. And it's constant because there are people believing all over the world all of the time. And so it it must just be a constant celebration. So when we pray from the Lord's Prayer that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, in a sense, we are praying that we demonstrate heaven's joys on earth. Ultimately, living a life of joy is pleasing to God. I want to thank you for tuning in to the Pleasing God podcast. If you have any questions, I would love to hear from you. You can reach out at questions at pleasinggodpodcast.org. And remember, 1 Thessalonians 4.3, this is the will of God, your sanctification.